up everybody welcome back to a thousand cuts a bsa podcast i'm your host demetrius here with my comrades chanel ashley and glenn and our comrade simile from maroon movement yo (laughs) what up say what's up to the people peace so we are hella excited for this bsa maroon movement crossover epic (laughs) epic episode it's been a long time coming so this is for the people yes yes it is and we are we are hella excited but i'm gonna let lee introduce herself and what she all about it's so much to summarize i guess so maybe try your best i I don't know i'm gonna give a quick version i'm not trying to take up all the time but peace to everyone i'm simile the rbg also known as ebony maroon i am a conscious citizen of the republic of new africa i am a freedom fighter mc shit talker feed the people type of person help found food clothing resistance collective maroon movement which is a collective of people searching for autonomy and self-determination utilizing our organizing and and artistic skills to create pretty much safer spaces. I mean, how safe can you be in the middle of imperialism? But we did create a house that was centered in our community to be able to be utilized as a place for people to meet, have classes, build, experience joy, train, grow food, give out food, free food, clothing, a hub, basically establishing and modeling what dual power looks like in the middle of our neighborhood, feeding our block, modeling the block by block model, door to door, block to block, building that up. That was for about 10 years in, I was in the DC area before that. I'm originally from Hampton Roads, Virginia, land of the Maroons, the Great Dismal Swamp Maroons. I was a part of the Jamil Alameen community, Al Uma that was situated in Virginia, that was connected to his community in West End in Atlanta. We were pretty much an Islamic community also based in a lot of mutual aid, community control. We had our own security, our own apartments. We had our own schools and we were internationalists, many of us Pan-African socialists as well as internationalists that laid down the foundation for myself as a youth. Right now I'm in Baltimore. I'm a part of several formations, New African Liberation Collective, Prison Lives Matter, and working right now in conjunction with Ujima People's Progress Party, which is an independent black political party, grassroots organization, neither Republican or Democrat, basically, again, trying to get that community power and community control of everything, not just through the electoral process, using that as a piece of it, but utilizing whatever tools by any means necessary for the independence of black people here in Baltimore City. So I do a lot of I, I do a lot of everything, direct action, anti-imperialist, anti-colonial, anti-carceral work. And I have a podcast right now called Maroon Cast that I do with my partner in Maroon Movement, uh, KLC. Do music, hip hop artists, down with beat conductors, down with Zulu Union. And it's a lot. I feel like I just gave a whole book. That's my time, y'all. Good night. <laughs> I just, I just feel like go. I'll be going on and on and on. I do a lot. I do a lot of stuff, a lot of mutual aid, a lot of direct action, a lot of teaching lectures and just building it up and kicking it real in a real nature with the community instead of um, a type of bourgeoisie, big head, 
let me impress you with my jargon. Nobody wants to hear all that shit. Right. <laughs> right. Pass right. the plate, pass the knowledge, and let's build. So that's how I do it. Dope, yeah, yeah, that's dope. what's up. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. You just basically said like, yeah, I'm the real deal. Like I'm the shit, and I, you know, I'm actually out here doing things. <laughs> unlike you know, no, other, I mean, unlike other niggas I on podcasts. I try not to come off like, like that. <laughs> no, it's just that's just it's been thirty years, you know, from a youngin until now, and so I'm happy that I still have the enthusiasm to do this, to still go out and do the regular grassroots shit. So I don't know yeah. when I say it, I start to look at myself like, damn, really. I do oh, all that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. That's funny. I'm still that doing it though. So you know. I mean, that's what strikes me. Your energy. You know, yeah. what's the secrets there? Ah, uh, cannabis. No lie. <laughs> <laughs> I am you speaking I am Chanel language right the there. Sun. You speaking <laughs> Chanel language. By the sun and the sun, water, and cannabis. That's Glory what makes, to her name. That's what, that's what grows a simile. It's Sunday, too. It's Sunday, too, y'all. Oh, my God. Just Ooh. the desire to be free, though, that pushes me. Like, mm, even when I want yeah. to drop out, and I'm like, you know, this is some bullshit. And I don't even want to go to one more damn Zoom meeting. Leave me alone. Bro, <laughs> you know? oh, my goodness. Them Zoom meetings. You, that, was, that was too real. The Zoom meetings. Oh, my goodness. Brutal. Yeah, like, brutal. I can't. Like, I, I don't even want to. I'm like, just, I already got my picture ready because I don't want to get on the camera. <laughs> it's oh, just, man. you know. But it's really just the desire to actually be liberated. Like, I, we're not there. 30 years is great, but this is a marathon race and I might have to pass the baton, but as long as I'm still moving, I'm going to keep moving until I have to pass that baton and tell somebody else I can't do it anymore. You know, right now we're just all running together and, and I'm running as long as everybody else is running. We're in this race, you know, so that's what keeps me motivated. Every new brutality, every bit of hunger, every, you know, 300 homicides here in Baltimore City. Shit's real and it's raw and I can't escape it. When I walk out the door, it's like right in my face. So it keeps me pumped up trying to come up with solutions with other people. I don't think I have the solutions. I think we have the solution. And, and so I got to put myself out there. You know what I mean? Beautiful. Yeah, that's real. That's real. That's wonderful. Yeah, that, that very, very much inspired by the energy and that longevity, because that's definitely what we need. So, yeah, we wanted to have you on just to have a discussion about something that's in the name of the movement, Maroon. What is a Maroon? What is Maroonage? What is the history of being a Maroon? What does it mean to be a Maroon today? What is the future of being a Maroon? And that's basically what, what we wanted to have you on about and just chat about just like what that means for those on the black revolutionary left what is that all about so maybe the first thing we want to talk about like the first question is like what is a maroon what does that mean i, I like to give you know clear definitions so that it's not too jargony basically they are individuals who liberated themselves and created their own communities and their own dual power in the middle of a growing soon-to-be empire so africans Afro-Indigenous, Black, many different terms that we have. But the bases of Maroons around the globe, throughout Latin America, the Caribbean, North America, was connecting the Afro-Indigeneity that we already came with, right? We were Indigenous tribes, nations, before we arrived and were stolen from where we were. Oftentimes, the Maroons would, in the process of fleeing from slavery, would link up with 
the indigenous people of Turtle Island. And so that indigeneity continued. It was very much an Afro-indigenous resistance. It's direct anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism. You know, it, it was based upon the terrain. So this is guerrilla warfare. Based upon the terrain that they would use, it had camouflage and hid them from people coming to chase them. Now, these people coming to chase and hunt them down, most of us know, ended up becoming the police that we know today, the modern police. So some of our first ancestors dealing with what would be the future police would be the Maroons. The Maroons, it's many different collectives of Maroon communities. It's so vast that I'm still learning more and more and more. And my mouth drops open, you know, every time I pick up another book, it's like, I never knew that. Where I'm from in Virginia, you had the Great Dismal Swamp Maroons. Great Dismal Swamp is a huge, huge mass full of mosquitoes. And it's just not somewhere you think people would live, but they were able to escape, meet up with other people in those swamps, create a community all the way into North Carolina. This is something that was typical of the Maroons, again, using the terrain as a sort of camouflage to be able to build these communities. In Jamaica, they were in mountainous areas. Sometimes also in Cuba, they were in mountainous areas. We had Maroons that united with the Seminole in Florida. You had Maroons that were in Louisiana, Maroons in Dominican Republic, Maroons in Brazil, one of the largest areas where Africans were imported to during slavery, founded one of the largest Maroon communities, Palmeiras, with, I believe, estimates of up to 30,000 people. Like, this is not just a small section. This is something massive. You have the Garifuna in Central America. Maroons were in Panama. There were Maroons who helped create Freetown in Sierra Leone. Maroons in Nova Scotia, if I'm not mistaken. They were resettled into Sierra Leone. Maroons in Colombia, Ecuador. The basis was being able to utilize the land for food, obviously, for medicine, to have self-defense. There was language, there was signs, there were symbols, there were nonverbal language to be able to alert. A total system, a total way of life to where some of these areas, even though they started off as places for quote-unquote slaves to escape, to this day, some of them still are in existence as autonomous regions and zones. For me, they are a great example of what could be done and what can be done. And as a result, much of our African heritage and culture was still retained around the globe as a result of the Maroons being together in these communities. So the Maroons to me, I think are a great example of what we as still Africans who are still a part of an imperial structure, still dealing with legalized slavery underneath the 13th Amendment. It, it strikes me as an alternative of at least breaking free from the routine of just marching and chanting and begging and pleading and crying, but taking direct action to create our own autonomy. So to me, the Maroons are the symbol of ultimate self-determination. And that is why we're called the Maroon Movement. I named it after, obviously, where, you know, where I'm from in Virginia, near the Great Dismal Swamp. I grew up near there. And growing up in Virginia as the place where, you know, the North American slave trade began to flourish. 
and some of the first enslaved Africans arrived in Port Comfort. I've gone to those beaches every year for years as we dress in white and honor our ancestors. And there's a, you know, a connection still there and a heritage of resistance. And so that's why we're called the Maroon Movement. And our podcast is Maroon Cast. And we had a house called Maroon House because the spirit of what they did, I think, should not just be some ancient lesson. I think it's very relevant to right here and right now today. And our goal is just to get more people talking about it, to study it, and to see how that that can be utilized right here and right now for dual power. In a nutshell. (laughs) No, that was a beautiful description. Thank you. Dope, dope. Anybody else have any, like, anything they wanted to add to that or maybe bring up in regards to like the nature of maroon or i just wanted to mention because i just learned a little bit about the great dismal swamp maroons myself from a podcast you were actually recently on real light district they had a follow-up episode mm. where they went into it a little bit yeah and it's wild because i was just hearing it i think it was like the mass of it is bigger than rhode island and there's just so many people there i don't even think they have an accurate way to really represent how many people were probably within that area and like yeah. that's just so many people resisting especially given the time period you know like what's going on historically is like yeah. can we get some of that energy today can we get some people to really rise up and of course there's people doing stuff but i just feel like in the mainstream sense of what people feel the levers of power we have that we can actuate right. to try to you know actually get some change right. are really limited and it's if we just look back at history we have so many broad examples we could draw from yeah It is a massive amount of space that they took up and held. I think it's important to understand that they held this space for like over a hundred years, like from 1700s up until actually until emancipation, quote unquote emancipation. Like this is how long the Great Dismal Swamp Maroons held Virginia into North Carolina. If you've ever had to drive through either of those states, those are some big damn states. So that's ridiculous that that was able to be done. Like, it's amazing, ridiculous in a good way. And it's also amazing to me that growing up, I learned a lot about Douglas MacArthur and all these field trips they would make us take to Jamestown. And like, it's growing up in Virginia is something like it is the Confederacy. And we had to grow up around that. But they never really talked about the Maroons. And that was information that we had. I mean, I literally lived, I could drive to the Great Dismal Swamp from where I grew up as a child and to not hear anything mentioned about them unless I went amongst, you know, like maybe it would be a Juneteenth event or something of that nature. But I did not hear a lot. This was information that I had. and, And I'm from Virginia. I'm from that area. I had to dig it up and find out about it, to find out about people escaping in general and commandeering boats back to Africa. And it's just Africans, I think it's important that people understand that Africans have always resisted. That resistance has always looked different. It has looked like autonomous communities. It has looked like repatriation. It has looked like going to other places and naturalizing. That is why I'm a new African, because to me, the new Africans, the Republic of New Africa in and of itself, still represented the modern day Maroons trying to get to an independent Black existence. Not saying that it's exclusively for Black people, but something that is under our control. And it's going to look like different things. Republic of New Africa was March 31st, 1968. 500 Africans went to Detroit, had a Congress and decided that they wanted to declare independence from the United States of America. Now, of course, with the recognition that this is indigenous land, making the claim of the, the states of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina are the historical birth 
of what we would call a black nation. Not that we have ownership of the land, but would be nice to be able to return to it and be able to have independent space if it can be agreed upon with the First Nations of that area. But if not, it has never been offered to black people the ability to have autonomous land within the colonized Turtle Island. It has not been offered for us to be actual real citizens, even though the 14th Amendment said that we are paper citizens and really do not have that power. It has not been offered for us to repatriate. It has not been offered for us to be naturalized in another place where it's full of diaspora. And we have not been given our reparations for any of the damages that has been done to our psyche, our body, our mind, our spirit, our soul. So this is something something that we still haven't really resolved anything for the African, the Afro-American, the new African, the Afro-Indigenous, the Black, whatever you want to call yourself, we still do not have any autonomy and control over our living situation within the United States empire. And so this is something that we should all be thinking about marinage and what that right. looks like, because we're not, we, we don't have the power over our own lives. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I can speak to that specifically from a Detroit context. That's where I'm based at for reference. Okay. And it's that's funny. That's where it started. <laughs> right, right. And it's funny because like a bunch of groups here just pull together what they're calling the Detroit People's, I think, or like the Detroit City Charter or something like that that's supposed to represent the people's will. Mm-hmm. And it was a long process, long slog. They they went through all these different, jumped through hoops, did everything that they're supposed to do, drafted up a proposal that was going to grant some new rights to people with regards to water and housing and things like that. And of course, up in Lansing, the, the governor stepped in once they pushed it through, we got it passed and was like, this is going to create a financial crisis for the city and we have to step in and do something about it. And it's just wild to me because even when black people organize under all the mechanisms that were supposed to, according to the empire that we're currently embedded in, and even then it's not good enough. They want to come down and hold the black people's hands and make sure that they do things according to their book, not by our own playbook that we you know, may want to institute. If we went in those channels, it's, it's just no way for us to have any autonomy. And to speak to that other point you mentioned about how spiritually, mentally, physically, like financially, anything, there's been no form of reparations, repatriation, anything. Uh, like I would call that a transgenerational form of psychological warfare. We've been dealing with it for a long time. And as you said, with Maroonage, that sounds like a very viable option for resistance that we should be engaging in. Well, first you would have to escape. Well, what does escaping mean? That means that we have to disconnect from, in a way, return back what we left and migrated from. The call for the Republic of New Africa is free the land. It isn't take the land. It isn't colonize the land. It isn't become the new settlers of the land. Nobody owns the land. Nobody owns the land. I'm Afro-Indigenous and I still say nobody owns the land. We are caretakers, or, or, or at least we're supposed to be caretakers of the land, right? So returning back to areas where we could have the space and be able to create communes, collectives, co-ops, that, that's that old time religion right there. That's not a new concept. And Europeans didn't give that concept to us. That's a very, very African thing. And so that would be what it would look like today. Like they said in the 60s, tune in and drop out. Like we would have to drop out and, and, and create our own economic. I mean, who am I? I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all know this. 
it would look very much like what you're trying to propose. It would look very much like what Cooperation Jackson is proposing. It would look very much like what Community Movement Builders is proposing. And so many independent farms and independent communities that are all over the country, Afro-Indigenous people trying to free the land. It's a part one though, right? Because you have this autonomy as much as they allow you to have because the imperialist state is still in existence, right? So being a maroon is just one step or you're forever fighting or you're forever looking over your shoulder to see if the dogs are coming or you're forever waiting for the police to kick in your door at like Maroon House, Washington, D.C. two years ago. Like you will never feel completely safe and empowered until you actually in imperialism. And so it's a part, it's a step. A dual power is a step, but it can't be dual forever, right? Something's got to give and it shouldn't be us. <laughs> so it, it's a step before we have to topple imperialism and, and it can't just be chants and words. Like, seriously, imperialism and, and capitalism is going to be the death of the world. It's literally causing fires and floods and earthquakes and it really, the world can't take much more of it. And so first we need to run away and establish what we need to establish and, and get the strength to be able to topple this shit because it just cannot go on this way, scientifically speaking. You know what I mean? The dialectical materialism of it, this is a contradiction. And so, yeah, but I think you all are headed in the right direction. Those are the first steps is to establish dual power. And people are afraid to do that, right? How is that conversation going with y'all having when you're talking to people? <laughs> no, seriously. Like, how, I mean, I'm not even just saying it in a sarcastic way. How is that going when you tell people, hey, you can start, you know, to think of this in a different manner right here and right now? I mean, from, from what yeah, I've there's seen... There's definitely resistance. Yeah, there's definitely resistance. And there are a lot of people who are actually hungry for actual solutions and not... I don't want to say answers, but like, you know, plausible solutions. There is hunger for that. But I know in my context, like even some of the people like in some of the circles I organize in, in counter institutional building, like having that like that shit is not popular. Like it is not like a lot of the idea. A lot of it is aimed very recently is aimed at cooperatives, at co-ops. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people on the left that do not fuck with co-ops when you bring it up as a serious dual power an institution that can be a part of a serious dual power project there are a lot it's really it was jarring when i first encountered it and i know in my context i'm gonna keep i don't give a fuck like i'm gonna keep talking about we need to build we need to build we need to build dual power dual power like i don't give a shit because i don't know what other option there is other than that or like insurrection and good luck with that like i don't that's not you know what I mean? If you can't get together and make a community, because right. I keep saying that we're put into communities, we're thrust into communities that may not even have our best benefit in mind. They're not, you know what I'm saying? But the ability to have intentional community where you have a goal, you have a plan and everybody is working in accordance. That's a whole lot different. And I don't think a lot of people have ever experienced that. I'm old enough. <laughs> to have been able to experience that in the last gasps of that while we're also simultaneously we're fighting off the government's intentionally putting crack into our communities 
helping to feed mass incarceration. All of these things are crystal clear to us now. At the time, it was just like, damn, what the fuck? You know, like, like, like that's what it just felt like. Damn, what the fuck? People were hungry. People wanted to get away. Yeah, let's let's create something. It's, let's build. They would say it's nation time or it's community time. Let's take over the school. Yeah, let's take over policing. Yeah. The thing is, is that shit got attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked. I mean, militarily attacked. I grew up seeing one community after another get raided, including my own. I'm not talking about Maroon movement. I mean, just as, as far as the, the Islamic communities that I was a part of leading up into 2001, 9-11, just the sheer brutality from the state. Because some of these people were saying we wanted Islamic communities and we want independent Islamic communities. And the government wasn't having any of that shit. Any talk of some type of, I don't care if it's a ranch, I don't care if it's a farm, I don't care if you call it a commune. Eventually they cracked down and raided a lot of these places. And I think a lot of people are still thinking about that. It's why a lot of people don't want to get into movement work in the first place. It ends up in jail sometimes. It ends up in death. It ends up in being followed and monitored and tracked. For me, it ended up in friends being kidnapped and black bagged. Like, I say I'm a freedom fighter. I don't just introduce myself as an organizer. I'm a freedom fighter. I am a revolutionary, not in a romanticized way, but because I've been forced to have to do that. I've been forced to have to fight and resist to physically fight back. I don't talk about everything because I can't, but this is real. And so when you say that you want to build dual power, when you say you want to establish land that isn't toxic, that isn't, you know, poison, that has adequate food, where children are respected, where people can be free in their gender identity expressions and their sexual orientation. And you think that the state that makes money off of oppressing all of that shit isn't going to crack down on you, hell, you, you, you're in a fa fantasy world to come at it like that. So I think that's why there's so much resistance because people are actually afraid. So these are the things we have to talk about. We have to sit down and be able to talk about fear. And I don't know, there can't be a false bravado about that. We got to be real. It's okay to be afraid. I'm often afraid. Some people are like, oh, no fear. What do you mean? I'm afraid often. I still push through it though, right? Because this is what has to be done. Like you said, what else is there to do, y'all? Just lay down and just keep taking it. Hope that yeah. we're not the ones shot today. You yeah, know? It, it, I, I just don't <laughs> understand. It, it's just hard for me when I talk to other people on the left because it's just, what are y'all not seeing? What are y'all not seeing that I'm seeing? You don't see the threat. Like, you don't understand. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's like people don't understand what they're signing up for. It's kind of like what you said, like the fear and causes people to be in this place of something that we talk about, like aesthetics as radicalism, right? Like there is just a look, you know, or it's a sort of lifestyle. It's vibes. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like what Bookchin would say, it's, it's some lifestyleism. Like it's cool to look like a revolutionary. It's cool to talk about revolutionary shit. But when it comes to like actually building something and then recognizing that you are going to receive threats from the powers that be or actually really get fucked up <laughs> from the powers that be it's you know you retreat into the aesthetics you retreat into the lifestyleism because you're not willing to to deal with the risk and that is some terrifying like that is some terrifying shit if you really sit down and think about what you're really signing up to do how we're really speaking on these platforms what we're really talking about like we're openly antagonistic to all these power structures it's some terrifying shit to put yourself out there like that but you know, a lot of people, I, I don't know, a lot of people just either retreat or go into that place of aesthetics. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, especially right now, like being a quote unquote revolutionary is the wave right now. Like people are really feeling it in regards to there's a celebrity culture growing around it. There's platforms that can be developed that can become very financially beneficial for a select small group of people, especially if you're talking that kind of revolutionary shit that can get you a lot of attention. Because you have oh, the aesthetic yeah. of being a revolutionary, but your whole project is around directing people towards something that's not towards the aim of actually liberating folks. And, you yeah, know, when yeah. you yeah. take all those factors in, <laughs> there's a lot of very opportunistic people out here still, unfortunately. It's a lot of opportunism. Oh, absolutely. Capital eats that shit up. Yeah. That doesn't do anything. And to what you were saying, Demetrius, I think that our problem is that everyone is a naysayer, this is, this won't work, that won't work, because the initial first step is the hardest step, and that's yeah, community absolutely. organization. Like, yep. we can't do anything if there is no organized left, or you're not, you don't have a group in your community doing any vital work or actions, and that is the hardest part. So everyone, but it's easy to just say, that won't work, that won't work, because you haven't done the groundwork there, you haven't done anything grassroots. Yeah. You can't, this is a participatory sport. <laughs> you cannot mm -hmm. book your way out of this. And, and I'm not saying don't study clearly, but you know, study without action. Like what's the point? Like we're not doing this for our ego. We're not doing this. I don't know how revolution can be a wave if it doesn't lead to actual action, if it's not actually freeing people up. And some of our most oppressed people, our most marginalized people, are people who are incarcerated. And so I call bullshit that anything revolutionary is being done right now, as long as our, our comrades and, and fam are locked behind bars and some of them organizing harder than we, we are here out on the ground. And for myself, I've been taking that into account, like how much input have I even been getting from people who are incarcerated? I had to check my own shit and, and be like, you don't fucking communicate enough with people who are incarcerated. What kind of maroon are you? Isn't that slavery? Isn't that direct slavery? Should we be directly reaching back to free incarcerated people and not just directly back? But, you know, in the case of Asada, Asada planned her own escape and was able to have that inside outside connection to the troops that were outside to be able to implement the plan. But it takes communication. So it takes strategy. People want things to just instantly happen. It takes strategy. Above ground, underground, behind bars, connections are what we need to be able to come up, you know, with many different ideas and many ways of what this can look like. And I'm one of the first ones to say that I wasn't doing that enough, but I've been doing a lot of studying and seeing why things that were successful, why they were. And it was a decent infrastructure and it wasn't just a surface level type of shit that we see today. Just a bunch of fucking words. Like you're saying words and memorizing and flossing on people talking about what some other revolutionary did. The fuck? Mm -hmm. That's what's hot? Talking about what somebody else did? Some Who somebody else fed? Somebody else broke somebody else? Why aren't we doing that? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's. I think it's time that we be really honest with comrades and just, you know, pull people's cards. Like, it's a lot of pretending. And it's, it's getting out of hand. Y'all don't even, y'all, meaning like the pretenders, don't even reach back to the freedom fighters who are still suffering and dying and have been dying. And some of them, 20, 30, 40 years, first thing they do when they hit the ground to liberation is they start organizing again. Look at that. Look at the Africa family. 
Yeah, they don't play. As soon as they got out. They don't play. As soon as they got out, they went right back to work. Do you understand me? Marshall Eddie Conway, as soon as he got out here in Baltimore, he went right back to work. Seku Odinga, as soon as he got out, he came right back to work. This is a type of level of commitment. You want to say something doesn't work? People have been trying to formulate their plans for 50 years or more and still dedicated to it. That type of commitment and determination is what it's going to take. And I question a lot of people's seriousness and their dedication to this. It clearly shows. That's why I'm always talking about this. Like, you know, people get there, they find out what their shit is. Oh, that's my shit. I'm going to talk about that. I'm a hood scholar, so I'll say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's my shit. This is what I'm going to talk. This is what I talk about. I'm always talking about Maroons. I'm always talking about independence and autonomy. I'm always talking about mutual aid. Because if we're not making sure that those things are met, and of course, political education, we're not going to do shit. That's like the basic of the basic, y'all. If we can't even do that. Right, of course, we got to have them, them survival you know, programs pending revolution. People are hungry right fucking now. They're talking about stopping uh, the boxes of, of produce that have been coming from small farms that have been bought by the government in mass. They're talking about stopping those boxes. Don't you know that for an entire year, people have been living off of those boxes of produce? In addition to the mutual aid networks that have popped up all over, but those were a big part of it. What are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. People are hungry right now. It just seems like so much systems failure. Like y'all seen the shit about like the chicken shortage. I was like, uh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Actually, I missed that one. Uh, that's kind of scary (laughs) how are you what are we gonna do about that it was all what we could do is you just just talk on podcasts and just write studies and articles all day and like never actually talk Mm -hmm. to anybody face to face we could always do that right i mean tweets are revolutionary as (laughs) as opposed to hey we could get some land and maybe we can grow some fucking chickens i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's the little things it's the little things so you know i mean vibes you know um that's the type of shit that's the type of shit niggas do man like they'll just write an article about like how the chicken shortage is reflective of the failures of capitalism was like well how are we gonna how are we gonna fix like how are we gonna help like it's crazy it's for me i i like to go to other people's shit i always say that go to people's shit support other people's shit don't just be on your own bag this is how you really build you know relations and community but it's not i ain't gonna lie it gets gets a little depressing y'all Cause people ain't trying to do nothing like your little prisoner letter writing to, you know, that was cute and all. (laughs) And that lovely um, spread that y'all had afterwards that probably cost a whole lot of money that could have maybe went to somebody's commissary. We're not going to talk about that, (laughs) but (laughs) what are we going to do beyond this? What these meetings to have meetings to have meetings, looking for tangible, actionable things that we can do. What we can do is like I said, Stop investing in this fucking system and start building up our own. People are, people ultimately, a lot of people do not want to be bothered because that's a lot of work, right? That's a lot of work to not just plug in and just complain, right? But to actually come up with solutions, to actually build irrigation and and build houses from scratch and clean shit from animals. That's actual, that's a little, that's not so glamorous, right? That's not so pretty. That's not so shiny. A lot of people, they're afraid of the hard work. And so when they make that comparison that we're not our ancestors, I always say, you're right. We are not our ancestors. 
we better start praying that we can be. <laughs> they didn't have any illusions that they were free. And maybe that was what got them to where they needed to go. Because they didn't have that fucking illusion. I couldn't turn on a PlayStation 5 and just lose myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we out in these fields and we want to get out of these fucking fields. Or at least be in these fields for ourselves. What we going to do? What we's going to do? Right. What is what is we gonna do? What is we's gonna do? <laughs> well, I tell you one thing. I know if you go by the river that way, they can't track us down. Bet. All right. So this is what we gonna do. I mean, like mm-hmm. that sense of urgency. You'll see it more in impoverished communities, like where I grew up in the projects and shit like that. But it won't be towards the the more radical thing. It'll be more towards a lumping criminal type of you know what i'm saying let's just do this thing let's get over fast you get this get that bad boom 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 we got that bad that's boom let's break to the house let's split it up you know orderly you know collective community based but it's not in the direction that it needs to head and that energy needs to be fueled more towards revolutionary work where we split it and we doing this and we got the power and we got the guns and we got all that shit, but it's not tearing up and ripping up our, our community. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, it, I always think about that sometimes. Like, how can we direct that street energy towards do the same or similar shit, but with the intent of it being to benefit your community, not just your insular group? How do we direct that? Like, tap into that. It's the hard part. Like New Jack City or paid in full, but make it revolutionary. <laughs> You know, well, well, revolutionary but gangster. Yeah, yeah, that's what RBG is. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Like, I used to sit and listen to Dead Press going off like everybody else. Yeah, I actually ended up joining African People's Socialist Party years later. It's so funny. And I met, I've met M1 a couple of times, and you know, but I used to listen to the stuff that they were saying, and it was so cool how they took the gangster shit. But it was revolutionary. And it was like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm sitting here in the hood. So it didn't feel fake to me. It felt really real. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Why can't we go at it hard like this? Like, we don't have to be bougie about it, you know, and relate to people. And so Maroon House was an example of that. We was, mm-hmm. <laughs> we would be what you would call ratchet. But you could get some of the best anarchist, socialist theory books, you know, zines, understandings, classes, all of that in the same space where people might be having a concert or smoking some weed legalized See, because Washington, really trying DC. to take a page out of your book. <laughs> that's what we try to do out here is like, how well, do we be careful? We got raided. We got raided. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Glenn, y'all we need to watch too, out, bro. A little too, we were too yeah, happy. I mean, you know, I, I tell you, I tell you the stories in the group chat, how they be, you know, we be getting tags and shit. And tales I mean, and y'all y'all got RoboCop out there, bro. Y'all got RoboCop. You, you can chill out, bro. <laughs> y'all, right. y'all city wild, bro. Yeah. In all the legalized states, the police still are preying on black and brown people. That still is happening. So yeah. like we didn't, we thought that we were good. Oh, they're not going to fuck with us. No. We, we didn't realize, yeah, no, they're still going to fuck with you, even if it is legalized, you mm-hmm. know? So it's a part of the whole thing. But reaching the people with the concerts and the classes and like really, we would take our tables outside, put them in the front <laughs> of the yard with the fucking speaker blasting. And like, we know the language our people speak, you know, mm-hmm. communion, festive, you know, building. You'll have your, your, your cats who want to go to the side and cipher and talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And then people gather around when it's a good cipher. Everybody, that's right, brother. That's right, sis. You know, you know, we know the language <laughs> our people speak. We scared to speak it. We scared to just get right in the middle of them and just be, you know? Me growing up poor, I'm used to that. I'm used to just going out there and 
offering up myself like, hey, this is me, y'all. I don't, I'm not a leader over anybody. I'm not a ruler. But we all trying to get out of these conditions that we're in, right? And just you just start it from there. What do you need right now, sister, that I can help you with? What, do you, what is it that you need, fam? You know, people start to tell you what they can bring to the table. You offer what you can bring to the table and you come up with, you move on from there. I always say that it's not as hard and as complicated as we make it. Our problem is we don't want to hear the no's. Let people say no. Let people say, mm-hmm. I don't want to be bothered. Let people take your flyer and ball that shit up and throw it on the floor. <laughs> it's going to happen. You don't know what their day was like. You don't know what the f- Our people are suffering, y'all. Mm-hmm. So I learned that early on when you go out with this grassroots shit, talking about you you trying to do this and do that, you're going to get some of everything. And it's not just going to be from the pigs. It's going to be from your people because our people are hurting. These conditions are real. And so everybody's not going to say no. Majority of them might say, might, everybody's not going to say yes. Majority of them might say no. But if you mm-hmm. get a few that says yes, then it's a few more. It's a few more. One thing people always saying is, let me tell my, let me call my grandma. Let me call my cousin. And then next thing you know, it's like mad people. We've, we've seen that so many times with things that we were doing out, whether it was involved with food or something for the youth, like back to school, backpacks. We giving them a side of books inside the backpacks along with school gears, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just dropping little gems on them. You get it in however you can. You get that political education to them however you can. You make it fun. And for those who are ready for more advanced, then you make it more advanced. You meet people where they are to be able to build this up. Like dual power isn't some overnight thing. It takes building relations. And I might not agree with all the ideological backgrounds of different places, but I look at how they did what they did. I study everybody, Cuba, China. Mm -hmm. I look at the Jamaican movement. You know, it was the socialist movement that was going on in Jamaica. I look at Grenada. I look at how did the South Africans have three or four or five or six different formations all that, you know, doing their own thing with, with the one goal of a liberation front for Azania. You know, how did that work? And how did they get together? How the hell did they trust each other? Weren't they afraid? You know, like I study all of these things because everything that we're trying to do is it's nothing new, y'all. It's been done. And if it's been militarily defeated, that doesn't mean that it wasn't the right thing to do. It just means that it was militarily defeated. Plain right. and simple. <laughs> you know, so... It's like there's plenty of places that have been militarily defeated with way more resources. Like it's nothing oh, yeah. to be ashamed of. It's something to yeah. learn from and grow from. He's yeah. in here with tape and glue trying to hold a, revolu- <laughs> hold a revolution together. Like, yeah, we got defeated, but we went hard and we still can. You know? It's like, look what we did with what we had. That's the thing. Yeah, That's right. the lessons to draw from. It's like, look what we did with what we had. In all these places, people held up resistance and were able to actually put a dent in the armor of this shit. It might not have cracked the whole fucking suit of armor, but they put a dent in it and it led to future revolutionaries drawing inspiration from those, taking lessons from it and being able to do what they did. And we got to do the same thing. That's literally where we are right now. If we don't draw on those past lessons, you know, the concept of Sankofa is to go back and fetch and bring it forth. I know there's a saying that says forward ever, backward never, but looking back to where you were isn't going backwards. It's just looking back. It's gaining the knowledge and, and wisdom that, people's lived experiences and seeing how that can relate. It's not trying on their fucking whole uniform and being them though. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem too. People don't even have their own identity, like to know who they are. They're so busy. Well, Huey said, okay. <laughs> okay. Huey said a lot of things, honey. What year were you talking about? Cause right. there are many different Huey P Newtons, all of them genius, but also some troubled things that were clearly going on as well. Yep. And so, and he was militarily targeted for Psy. Ops. I don't think yes, that yeah. gets talked about enough when we talk mm-hmm. about any of the freedom fighters from the 60s, 70s, 80s. 
they were targeted for psychological ops. I mean, in a way that we didn't even understand it until somebody what broke in and stole the papers so we could understand the COINTELPRO mm-hmm. papers. Thank God that somebody did that shit because we realized how severe it was. Like they literally at one point when everybody was talking about Huey, Huey living in a penthouse, that nigga ain't for the movement. The FBI had moved in in the same building. In the exact same building. I think right near him. If not under him, beside him. That's what was going on. That's what was going on. Yeah. We don't have to try on every single thing that our ancestors did. We don't, you know, some of those things were based off of their trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, some of those things were based off of an emerging feminist movement that hadn't fully hatched. You know, they had to go through a couple of changes and waves, as they call it. And so a whole lot of patriarchy. I mean, shit, we're dealing with a whole lot of patriarchy even now. What was this? Fifth, yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth wave we're on. But imagine right. back then. Everything yeah. that was being popped out wasn't right. Everything the Republican New Africa said wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Some claims that they make, some the way they word it, I know what they mean, but the way they word it make it seem like, you know, we could just take the fucking land. Well, we can't just take the land. Thank God it says free the land, you know, but I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> you know, be behind just taking. We can't just take anything. Even what we build now is with dual power. All of it is temporary. If we think that this empire is going to be toppled. And what that looks like in the future will be based off what we built on this now temporarily for what we are looking for, something hopefully that will be a little bit more long lasting. But we can't do it with this giant elephant in the room called imperialism. We can't. It's in the way. (laughs) Bitches in the way. That's another thing. That was the next question I was going to ask you, like kind of connected to some of the statements you made. Like what in your opinion are like a few of like the key issues that keep like, you know, BIPOC people from like really fully engaging with revolutionary, like leftist, like ideologies or beliefs. That's just something that came to mind because when we were first having a conversation, like there was something that you said something to the effect of like, sometimes it's the left's inability to grapple with its own failures. Or the way that we handle things on yeah. our side of things that really when people actually people close you, that you know. shit sound dope. <laughs> yeah. I said that? No. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, the way to you paraphrase. said that was dope. You probably said it way, you said it way doper than I said it. No, nah, no. Nah. But it was, but that's essentially what you said is that part of what part of yeah. why people don't even want to really engage with our movements is because we haven't even fully grappled with our own failures and some of the harms that we have even caused. I'm not trying to get into this space, but like, you know, everybody knows the tanks and the campus, you know what I'm saying? Like we can't even, there are people who are still distorting the history behind the terror of the Soviet Union. We can't even, and that was like damn near a century ago. Like, you know what I mean? So I remember you saying something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that lack of honesty, I was, I guess it's dogmatism, sectarianism that makes it that I can't say anything negative about my team. You know, that's, that actually defies communism. It defies socialism because what happened to constructive criticism, right? What happened to, you know, work, study, struggle? What happened to analyzing? Isn't it supposed to be based off of logic and science that we're doing this? It's not supposed to be based off of reactionary emotionalism. So there's a hypocrisy within the left that won't allow itself to look at 
things that were not beneficial in the past and attitudes that are not beneficial in the present. Like, again, the left can't even get over its own rape culture and patriarchy. Am I right? That's destroying so many goddamn units have gone down because of patriarchy and, and, and because of sexism, misogyny and rape culture. Like, that's just one aspect, let alone to colonizing other countries underneath your banner. It's an issue. It's real. And these things should be talked about. Being able to... The thing about me, a lot of people know me as a Black anarchist. I'm not really... At this point, I'm not even going to let that fly anymore. I have been just as influenced by anarchism as I have been by socialism, and as I have been by Black feminism, and as I have been by the Black queer and trans liberation movement, and as I have been by hood and nigga shit, like on the real. And so I tend to be able to speak and be around all types of people without spazzing out and because they have a different ideological way of looking at things, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to do that has made me be able to organize with a lot of people and get things accomplished. I don't think everyone is so eager to do that but they would have to take their ego out the way to do so. I'm not talking about someone who's talking about gulags and killing children and roasting them on fires or some shit. Like, I can overlook that. Yeah, I think I can. No, I'm not talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, just, (laughs) hey, we don't look at nation and nationhood and statehood in the same way. I might be more of a horizontal type of a chick. Hey, you're into hierarchy. I get that. But what are we doing right here and right now? Can we agree upon this structure, this structure? Yes, we can, We have these principles that we can agree upon. We're going to do it like this. Boom. That's how you create collective fronts. Mm-hmm. We don't really have mass collective fronts right now. It's a huge problem. We don't have it nationally. We don't have it internationally in a true revolutionary sense, in a true revolutionary sense. There are all types of liberal ass fronts that are out there that, that aren't doing shit. But being nonprofit industrial complex models or outright in the nonprofit industrial complex, mm. like the movement has gone from revolutionary to nonprofit in a blink. It's it's so startling how fast like last year made me feel like we're going to see some maybe I guess you could say a resurgence a more like affinity group based like deals where people will be yeah. more autonomous, more decentralized. And it seems like a lot of energy is really trying to get funneled into these, as I would call them, just like kind of revolutionary groups that are trying to do more NGO shit than they're trying to do some actual real underground work. Yeah. I mean, and and again, not wanting to admit failures, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people's turn off from assemblies and from commons and from all of that was Occupy. And I was there mm-hmm. and I know exactly why. Because if anybody was a part of Occupy, if you were really a part of Occupy, you know exactly why people are like, I ain't trying to do this shit in this anarchist, yeah. autonomous, <laughs> da-da-da-da-da, decentralized way. Because you motherfuckers can't stop raping and stealing and, and all kinds of shit from each other. And so my critique is never just about the socialist the anarchists got a whole lot of bullshit with them and they can't admit to it and it's a problem you can't just make socialists your enemy but you don't check the shit that you do that scares people away from anarchists you know and the racism within both right and the bourgeoisie class shit within both right like these there's nothing wrong with being from the class that you're from but you're gonna have to do the good old class suicide thing that Fred Hampton had to do. And you're going to have to pick and choose. You know, you can't be, I don't know, like you're hanging and slumming it. And then you go back to your, you know, affluent suburb capitalist community. And it's like, you can't, it's what pick a, pick a side. Like either we're just, we're shutting this shit down or not. You know, another thing is people think that anarchists and socialists don't want to make money. 
And it's like, you can make money within anarchism and socialism. We're talking about not hoarding every fucking thing. There's no need. What is, how does that benefit anybody? Why can't we all spread it around, right? Do you want to work five, six, seven, eight hours at a time? Or do you want to split it down to maybe five hour days chopped up here? Hey, you never had a choice to make that decision? Hey, yeah, that would be nice to actually mm -hmm. decide that. It's, it's a lot of questions that people have and the left doesn't answer them. The left gives yeah. them speeches with all these really tough words that people don't understand. All people can think about is the propaganda that we got all through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s that Russia bad, America good. You had a whole industry that was built around that. Hollywood was built to be anti-socialist, anti-communist and definitely anti-anarchist. All you know mm -hmm. about anarchists from old TV shows is it's a dude in a trench coat with a bomb. Like that was, <laughs> that's all you, that's all you saw, or a knife or some poison. But that was mm. from the history of the propaganda of the D because yeah. Anarchist was getting busy back in the day. They was throwing down. <laughs> I'm conflicted about propaganda of the, of the D because some of that shit was lit. Some of that shit was lit. Like when I be I, reading I'm about, <laughs> some of that shit was Don't lit as me fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Berkman was going in. I was like, bro, you went into this man's office and tried to dome him in his All office. I'm like, that's that lit. Joint, that is lit. They that's some talk gangsta about revolutionary shit. but gangster. Exactly. Mm. So it's a different revolutionary and gangster type of culture that old school socialists, old school anarchists did that. You know, some people are afraid of it because it was kind of bold and it was kind of out there. And I think that's another thing. People are afraid because they know that we're going to get busy and they know that people who are really committed are about that. So some people are afraid. Some people feel like they can't they don't relate people to, you know, academic with it. Corny. Yeah. Like yeah. I've gone out with people. I'm like, this is what you saying to this brother sitting here with a whole 40 bottle in his hand. Like, this is how you're going to talk to him. And it's cringe, yeah. Well, well brother, you have to understand that the that the that the dialectical uh, the bro heat the dog dog. You don't know, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like dog. if you don't you know, put a little said... more... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you say you know Engel said <laughs> Yeah, I'm quoting Engels to some guy. Well well, well you know... Chairman Mao, they like who? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know chairman Mao. it's like come on stop being a nerd stop being a nerd you're being a nerd right now like nobody like no but you can introduce that shit in a cool way the fucking panthers had the whole hood reading Mao. <laughs> you know yeah. like well you know according to anthropological shit, data like, you know like bro ain't nobody trying to hear that this man is like bro this man just finished smoking a blonde dog you might want to translate some exactly. of that shit bro like you might exactly but i could totally so see why like it's it's a turn off it's a turn yeah. off corny ass delivery you ain't really out here until you need to be out here people can see black people know when you're just coming out here just to get your little photo ops and then you're gonna go right back where the fuck you came from which isn't around us like we oh, know yeah. we, miles we, out about to be fucking chilling in the cut where it's you like, know? fuck it, you got AC, you fucking got the PS5 at the crib. Exactly. Your 60-inch TV, you know, you chilling. This is your yeah. pastime. Like, we live this shit. We're not in this shit just playing games. Like, yeah, we're right. building the shit we're building because we need something alternative because we ain't getting shit out of the system we have. There's kids out here wiping and washing people's windows off for a living out here in Baltimore. And, and the white people calling yeah. cops on them. Like, it's real. Like, y'all not living the life that we fucking live. The photo and they ops know is it. crazy to me. Like, that's the crazy, like, here in, in Houston, like, you know, this is where, you know, Mr. Floyd was from. He was from Third War. Like, I damn near grew up in the area, like, close to him. And 
it was fucking foul to me to see the fucking police chief, Art Savito, this fucking scumbag, go to Third Ward, go to the residents of Third Ward, and then, like, basically talk to them about some bullshit about, like, how this, this, you know, people don't, there's a war on cops, people don't like cops because they know that poor communities like this need cops the most. Like, just fucking hamming it in. And he's so good at photo ops. He's so good at drumming up press. He's so good at, at getting exposure. Like, it, it fucking, it, it, it's crazy, but it, it's crazy when you see it. When in reality, like we can check, like people have checked Art Savito's record and the dudes, despite his progressive veneer, you know what I mean? The dude's a fucking piece of shit. He made a mess out in Austin. Then he brought his crazy ass over here and just doing more photo ops. This shit always just pisses me off. And just last year was just like, that shit was just glaring. I was like, this is so fucking disrespectful. Like. It was cops making, they were doing the kneeling thing. Yes. And people oh were taking God. photos with them. And then you would see those same cops like a week or two later beating the shit out of somebody. Like it was, it's, people got to be like ready to hold people accountable on the spot. Like it's harder to do it after the fact. Like when I remember doing the, the Freddie Gray uprising and Geraldo and all the slimy ass Fox News people came out there. We was going off on people. It was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you don't give a damn about Baltimore. And after this shit, the fires get put out and all of this stuff, you're still not going to give a damn about Baltimore. And we see, you know, clearly that they don't other than wanting to over police us. And us, other than Maryland having the highest case of incarceration for black people in the nation, we have more than Mississippi in Maryland. That's what we're dealing with here. That's what the fuck we're dealing with. We're dealing with slavery. And I think this was what, a free slate? Wasn't Maryland a free state? Like, I, I believe, I believe. <laughs> well, it's not anymore. It, yeah. it might have been. It might have yeah, been. Yeah, it's not anymore, y'all. It is actually yeah. the leader in the slave state. Isn't that something? Yeah. Mm. I didn't know that. Oh, damn. Yeah. One of the first ones actually also to implement redlining. Look it up. You'll see wow. it. You'll see Baltimore and you'll be like, whoa. Yeah. And then understand <laughs> why Baltimore is dealing with what we're dealing with. God damn. Mm-hmm. Are y'all are y'all dealing with uh, heavy surveillance with like cameras and facial recognition and shit? We're dealing with spy planes. Damn. Yeah, because we, we have with, a bunch of surveillance yeah. shit going on in Detroit. That's one of the few cities where every other city is like, no, we're not going to implement this shit. Detroit's like, yeah, give us all of it. Yeah. yeah. We got spy planes. We have joint task force where it's, you know, police. You got ATF, DEA, FBI. They're all working in conjunction mm-hmm. to do these massive raids. I mean, these are slave catching raids, y'all. These yeah. are good old fashioned. They know exactly what they're doing, yeah. Go to the village and pull them out of their huts type shit. And this is why we got to be on our shit. Because mm-hmm. they're literally hunting us down. And right now, because of COVID, everything is without bail. So they're not even giving people bail. Hold without bail is the, is the number one thing that they do here in mm-hmm. Baltimore. They're, so they got people in COVID-packed places How for stupid minor that? crimes. That's insane. Because it's also part of the dehumanization. Like, mm-hmm. we were brought here for the benefit of them financially capital right we are the basis of capitalism global Mm -hmm. capitalism the african right and the indigenous people and their lands up turtle island and and elsewhere the caribbean and so on and so forth this is they don't give a fuck about us Mm -hmm. so if you can be housed into these warehouses where they're making all of this fucking there's a whole list i went to the website it blew my mind like there's a whole website of products that you could get from slave labor, y'all, this shit made me want to actually like physically throw up. 
It's all shiny and packaged, like chairs, toys, blah, blah, blah. It's like, wow, this is modern slavery. This is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You just order your slave stuff right off there and you run a nigga down in the middle of the street and drag him in and that's how you get it done. Mm -hmm. That's fucking disgusting. Not only that, when they're in there, got to pay for every damn thing. Yo, now you said a mouthful right there. Like, trying to communicate with people behind the bars has been a learning experience for me. Like, yeah, we know we can always do that snail mail, right? But of course, they don't even, they have to look through that. If you want to send books and magazines, they look through that. A lot of times they don't get it. I've been trying to do the email and direct call thing. You got to pay for every single page of your email. Mm -hmm. I said, damn. I said, what the fuck? You got to pay packages for the minutes. If you want to do the video, you know, they got the video phone chat thing. You got to mm-hmm. pay packages for that. If they want to have a tablet to get any type of educational, because they stopped the educational programs that they used to have, that people were getting their degrees and things of this nature. There's very little rehabilitation and therapy within any of these prisons, because that's not what they're for, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need well-adjusted slaves. We just need slaves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to charge them. So it's like sharecropping. Where at the end of the day, you put more into it than you've gotten out. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is the new slavery, the new Jim Crow, whatever you want to call it. But this is what we're dealing with. And it's real solutions that can handle all of this if we were actually organized. And again, we don't all have to be in the same group, but a collective front and at least a, a common you know, path of what we want. But we can't get out of our own ways to do that. And people don't want to deal with this as a result of that. And by us, I mean the left. Yeah, I wanted to actually ask you something to kind of go into something a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you consider this academic or not, but the war position and war maneuver from I think it was Gramsci or whatever. And so, like when we were beginning the conversation about Maroonage and the Maroons, how basically the the folks who were chasing after slaves and stuff originated the police. A lot of things that I like to think about and try to illustrate the folks is how so many things that are just like just the beginning phases of the future that we're headed towards how many things that are going on now are like setting the stage for what we're going to have to deal with in the near and long-term future and like to talk to my context a little bit here in detroit for instance the detroit police chief just decided he's going to resign but now he's going to run as a gop and he's a black guy he's going to run as a gop candidate against the governor here and this motherfucker has been like he's been carrying water for william barr and trump and shit and like all kinds of stuff back when he was in office and he's very clearly signaling he goes on newsmax and fox news all the time what was his name james craig he's a piece of shit you may have heard of him. but they're really clearly in the stage of the war of maneuver right now a lot of these folks where they're outwardly flexing their power and moving into new positions and trying to set the foundation for the what they're trying to set up for the future even with regards to like the Biden administration right they're still funneling money and resources to police departments they're definitely not talking about defunding shit and I'm just kind of curious what are some of your thoughts around the war of maneuver the war of position and especially with regards to the left black folks in the left how we should be positioning ourselves right now Oh, man. (laughs) Well, and also, I'm just thinking about how the vice president and the president said there's no racism, right? I always pull it back to the same thing. Like, we're going to have to get over our differences that don't, that aren't based, that, that are subjective, that are not based in ideological struggle, right? That is just based off of emotionalism. And 
we're not lacking in strategies. In fact, the left is so damn brainy and nerdy and reads so many things, we're lacking implementation. God, you can pick a strategy, all kinds of strategies, right? All kinds of books. My God, we got guerrilla warfare books. We got everything. We got, there's no implementation of it. There is no infrastructure. We don't have a communications infrastructure across country. We know that, what, they, they attacked the, somebody attacked the oil pipeline where 40% of the oil goes to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Somebody did that uh, ransomware attack, right? Yeah, it was, it was like a hacking, yeah, yeah. Sabotage, right? These types of things can happen at any time. It can happen from an outside country. It can happen from revolutionaries, right? But we aren't, we as revolutionaries, so-called, so forth, not enough of us are prepared for any of those things. If we don't have this, if we don't have that, where is our infrastructure? Where is our food? Not just crops, because some of these things are going to have to be, what, bottled, pruned, pickled, meats cured. Where is our underground? Do we have an underground? Like, I thought about that as I watched people getting arrested and all kinds of shit and people damn near ratting on them and telling where they were. Where's our underground? Like Black Liberation Army was able to do so much and be unseen for so long because they had that above ground and underground formation. We don't have an underground. Where is our, okay, shit's too hot. Clearly, if we, if somebody were to do like what Lorenzo Combo or others did and like, just, I'm going to Cuba, I'm going to Cuba, I'm out. You can't even necessarily do that nowadays because we don't even have the international relations like in Algeria and other places or Vietnam where people were going. I was talking to a comrade. I said, you know what? I feel like we're starting from scratch. I've been really thinking about it. I said, it feels like it's almost as if, except we have all of the previous knowledge of all of the previous movements before us. And they didn't, right? They didn't have right, the knowledge right. that we have. And, and, and I'm like, that can be hopeful. And, and, you know, that's something for us to be hopeful about because we have all this forehand knowledge about what went down and, and what can happen. And, you know, but I feel like we're starting almost from scratch, having to rebuild infrastructure within our communities, nationwide networks and international networks. And there's a sense of urgency that isn't there that needs to be for a task like this to be achieved. I feel like I need to be Paul Revere running around doing donuts and shit <laughs> with my, like, get y'all asses the fuck up. What's up? Right. Like, you know, like, what do I got to do to wake everybody up? Or, you know, ring a bell, like school days at the end, wake up, whatever I need to do. But we need to light a fire under people's asses because Time is running out and the state and the right wing reactionaries, they are preparing. They got their little camps and they little five years of food saved and their this is and their that's. And we're so far behind. Like we got small groups here and there that are doing that. But I mean, like the movement needs to be there. We're right. still talking about we're still talking about Black Lives Matter. Like if y'all don't stop playing with me. Right. <laughs> okay. Like what I'm getting from what you're saying is that the needs for education, when I say education, I'm not talking about even just of the previous movements. I'm talking about how to grow shit. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, canning and those like, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here in New York City and if shit really pop off, we fucked because we ain't got it's no food nowhere. We, we can't get our own water. Like we can't do anything because we're so detached from the land. 
You can't go to the bodega. You know what I'm saying? You can't t- tell Poppy give you a, a cheese steak. You can't do none of that. And I love eating in New York. <laughs> but when the shit hit the fan, and, and, and it's like, well, it's a little different here. I don't know how many urban gardens they have in New York, but they got a lot of them here in Baltimore. And I'm starting to see more of those pop up. The urban places, definitely, we're in trouble. We are in food deserts and we are in trouble. The rural people who a lot of people neglect all the time, they might be better off than we are Mm -hmm. if shit hit the fan because they might already have this shit stored up, saved up, as well as we need to know herbs, apothecary, doulas, emergency medicine, street medicine. It's just so many. It's When I say infrastructure, that's what I mean by mm-hmm. infrastructure, meaning if you're talking about having dual power, then you have to be able to implement all of the things, right? Who's going to build the house? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bet. Who going to build the toilet? Ooh, everybody step back on that one. Like, this is real shit. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Like, these things can be the difference between surviving and disease, diphtheria. You understand what I'm saying? Shit happens. Like, I know it was probably getting pretty gritty in Mississippi and um, Texas. Like, that's the type of situation where when you don't have water, diseases can really, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it's Absolutely. a serious thing. Was, and was, we don't have any potable water. Here. We don't have life straws. Yeah. We don't have the tablets. Like, this is the shit that we need, y'all. Where are our comms, right? Where are our communication systems? Long range and short range. That's what I mean by infrastructure. The people as well as our tasks, our skills to be able to sustain ourselves. We don't want to just be, I don't know what it was like for the Maroons. So I often imagine about it. I really do. I really sit and think, damn, sitting in a cold ass swamp. But eventually they had built structures and things of that nature. They were the ones who were doing all the work anyway on the plantation. So they came with those skill sets. We're behind in that aspect because we're not coming into this automatically with those skill sets, but we can get them now. We can start to learn now and and, and develop those skills now if we're really taking this serious. What's so crazy to me about what you're saying there is like, we have more access now than ever to get those skills, especially with the internet. Like there's literally no fucking excuse. And yeah, even with creating international connections with comrades around the world, again, there's absolutely definitely no fucking excuse. And it, it just, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's just they one of the failures. They didn't even have video chat or any of that shit. Or back any of that. And maybe that's one of, of the failures of the left that we need to grapple with is like, we have not taken hold of the, technological for all of our talk about being scientific this scientific that scientific this like we haven't even truly mm-hmm. taken hold of the capability of technological advancements which is really not at all crazy to think about like i, I don't know not at all it boggles look y'all are saying out loud and it's good because sometimes you're like am i crazy well i, I know I, I got this diagnosis but i mean is this ridiculous you know y'all are saying what i think all the time so it's good to hear other people say that because yes we have all this fucking technological advancement and we're not utilizing it. I had to walk. I hate to be the, one of those OGs, but I'm going to be one of those OGs. I had to walk to the library for miles <laughs> <laughs> in my cross color outfit. <laughs> you know, and this is real talk to get the books and, and things that I wanted to get to, you know, to get to the connections, to get to the communities. There might be a cipher going on in the park. I had to walk mm-hmm. to it. Like, you know, like this is part of the stuff that we love. You know, it, it's like it builds our character. We can tell these types of stories, you know, but I took advantage of that. Like, OK, it's not that far to walk. 
let me go get these books. Like we can just click a button and won't even do the education. You know, we won't even do, we won't even do the research. We won't even do, you know, the, I don't know. Are we jaded? Are we burnt out? Are we spoiled? I don't know. I don't know what, what the it is that keeps us from use, utilizing it. I think maybe the sort of the contradiction that maybe we're pointing out to is that despite these technologies having such a liberatory potential, I feel like capital and just the nature of domination in the hierarchical class societies that we live in, they just have these really powerful and really incredible ways to atomize us and just erode community and erode you know, serious relational bonds. They keep us just disconnected from one another. I don't know. That's just something that came from the, the top of my head. Because why else are we not doing more communication or communicating in ways that are potentially liberating? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just... I would agree to that if I hadn't seen people all pandemic long asshole to face. You're right. <laughs> like, literally, like thong to face like it was all you know like people were finding ways to get together in the craziest of spots and it's like wow like people are coming together and risking their life to have a party and if you throw a, a organizational meeting you can't get you know or for my anarchists out there if it's just a meeting it's not for an organization you know <laughs> i'm making fun i could do that because i've been in, in anarchist circles for so long they know i'm, I'm just I'm picking on them just like I pick on socialists. I'm both, so I'm a bothcialist. I'm gonna start saying that. Y'all, y'all heard it here first. <laughs> I'm a both. I'm a bothcialist. <laughs> but I don't know why people. It can't be that because people always find a way to get together, right? What are mm -hmm. we getting together for? Do we just care about recreation? Is that it? My God, has America made us so goddamn shallow that all we want is just to be entertained? Sometimes I feel like, you know, we need a whole cultural reprogramming because I think we've forgotten who the fuck we are as human beings. You know what I'm saying? I think and not just as these, it. you know, yeah. Yeah, materialism has got us, you know, capitalism yeah. has got us. Consumerism, it's made things yeah, weird. Yeah. 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 Real talk. I used to always talk about how we need to change the system of capitalism to something better. And I realized that you get a lot more, what is it, uh, flies with honey than sugar, oh, than vinegar by mm -hmm. saying we need a value systems change. I, I talk to people about our mm -hmm. values and the yeah. things that we collectively agree on as being important to the human experience. And it seems like that tends to resonate with people a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. Like, yeah, we need a big time reset on that. And in a way, we're having one, right? As I see queer, trans, gender nonconforming people are shaping and changing how we look at a whole lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. At the forefront of that. And that's a fantastic thing. Oh, it's yeah. something that I actually didn't think I would ever see in my lifetime. It's, even though we've been pushing and pushing and pushing, it just, you know, but it's starting to actually, you know, take hold. Still baby steps though, right? Mm -hmm. But I guess it just has to be a continuous push. Like you can't relent for a minute when it comes to trying to get people to see that we don't have to be these treacherous, competitive, at each other throats ass people. And and the only way to mimic that or to or to model that is just to be doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, when we would be in the middle of the community doing our thing, and it's clearly not just some charity. Like we're teaching, we're building, we're growing, right? Like It'll be people clearly dressed up to go out and do this, that, and the third. And they would be like, you know what? This looks like it would be more, you know, something that would, you know, honestly. And I'm like, really? Y'all were about to walk by and go look like y'all about to have a good time. It's like, yeah, but you know, I've always wanted to do stuff like this, but I just didn't have anybody to go and do it with. And then the next thing you know, these people are, are, are regular volunteers. 
mm-hmm. and thinking about, you know, creating some type of something in their own communities. So it's really about modeling. Like you could tell somebody all day long, nobody wants to hear that shit, but when you show it and, and model it, that's part of the problem too. The left talks a lot about things that aren't in existence because it hasn't been built. Mm-hmm. You want people to imagine all this shit. Like, well, show me an example, yo. That works yeah. so much more than just giving a fancy flowery speech about what this, you know, world could look like. Like, okay. And that's the point of dual power is to actually show somebody what that looks like right fucking now. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm big on that. I'm trying to get another community space because, you know, old folks, but I can show you better than I can tell you. Like, real talk, though. I can mm-hmm. show you better than I can tell you when it comes to this changing our culture. You know, I had thugs coming to help and, you know, they could have been anywhere else doing anything else but sticking a hand in some dirt and doing a garden. You see what I'm saying? Like, okay, part of the allure was that they were going to leave with a free cannabis plant, but that's not my point. <laughs> <laughs> you got to look the people where they at. That's win-win right there. <laughs> they might have left with a free joint, but that's not my point, okay? They got up in there and they were able to be exposed to so many other things as a result mm-hmm. of it. So we got to be you know, in a non-arrogant way, you know, always out there and trying to kick it with our people. Like, yo, let me show you this, fam. No, come here for a second. Boom. You know, people don't want to just hear you talk. They want to see, feel, understand that this could be something real and tangible. Because if I'm going to change my life and do all this revolutionary shit, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is, sis. You're right. It's a big deal. But here's a community right here. You got a community and we only trying to get bigger. If you don't have shit to show them, with some fucking flyers. What <laughs> the fuck I'm gonna do with a flyer? Like, I live in the hood. <laughs> the flyer gonna protect me from bullets, the police, hunger, social workers. You know what I'm saying? We need some power right now. Yeah, I think the part, the point you mentioned about intentional community building is really important because I think that's a really good way to show people how we can intentionally keep us safe. You know, we keep us safe, as they say. And like, it's definitely like the most prefigurative way that I could think of right now that really illustrate to people, like this is how we could build what actually keep us housed, fed, and protected. Yeah, yeah, real talk. A block, buy a building, buy a house, buy an apartment complex, buy a school. And and when I say buy, I mean like, you know, you're purchasing it. Like hopefully someone else is coughing up that money. You know, that's another reason that black indigenous people of color don't want to fuck with, quote unquote, white leftists, because where's your fucking cough up the dough, cough right. up the yes. resources, yeah. cough up that telephone number that you have. That, that that That's the one telephone number that I need. Like, don't hold on to that shit. How are you really an accomplice to what we're doing if you're not riding a die with me? Like, it's just talk. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. You're a settler. And until you start to be against settlerism and holding on to everything and, and that, that you shouldn't even have in the first place, then it's going to be problems it's going to be that is a contradiction right and it can be solved clearly by them doing what they need to do like we shouldn't be having to bang our heads about how do we fund shit i look at some of the shit that the these groups in the 60s and 70s they came up with all kinds of millions and millions of dollars because it it was the time and people understood you know the assignment as they say now you know this person understood the assignment we need motherfuckers to understand the assignment yo Mm mm-hmm I always say this. I'm going to say this on every shit I got. Where are our boats? Y'all got boats. Where are, you know, where are our land to water vehicles? Where are our helicopters and our planes? Y'all talking revolution. Stop playing. I'm talking revolution and going on cruises. It's like, come on now. We're fucking money In the middle at? of a pandemic. In the <laughs> middle of a pandemic, y'all. <laughs> right. 
talk no, about settler like, mentality. They're on our side because they read Sankara. Like, they good. They're on our side, right? Fuck out of here. I'm tired of lip service. I can't do lip service. I can't do it from anybody anymore. Like, yeah. you got to give me something tangible, baby. You got to give me something that we can work with. We're trying to achieve something. What is that? Is that land for you? Is that independence for you? Is that getting the fuck out of here? Is that staying and fighting? Whatever it is, we need tools and resources. Yeah. I don't need words. And yeah. so a lot of people are tired of these empty words and they can't fuck with the, the white left because they're sick of that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, like some of these black people, we don't even own our own fucking houses, let alone spaces for us to organize. In. And it's yeah. like, that's the bare minimum you could do is there. help us get some fucking space. Help us get some land so we can have an area, a place where we can go to and know that it's a space where we can organize freely. Real talk. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask is, what do you think are some of like the issues that cause so much tension between like, you know, BIPOC leftists and the white left? But I mean, we basically said most of everything yeah. here. That's really it. They be bullshitting. The inconsistency, the bullshit, the baby bullshitting. They playing games and they know what they have that can be utilized and they know that they could be doing way more than they are. They don't want to acknowledge that they're fucking settlers. And, and even the inability. I'm sorry, to like, but you are. The inability to like deal with their own whiteness, I find to be jarring. I mean, isn't that like day one leftist shit where it's just like, I don't know. Now, now you're seeing I mean, just this look push- at how many people still call themselves allies. It's like we've moved way beyond that point. But it, it's, it's not even that. <laughs> like, I've, seen, I've seen people on, you know, I'm not going to name the podcast because I mean, it's just some authoritarian <laughs> bull, like, fuck shit. It's just, it's total fuck shit. But they had on this journalist who like, was essentially who wrote this really shitty article where he used some of the work of Khalil Gibran Muhammad, this great, he's sort of like a crime scholar. He wrote a really good book on like the history of criminalizing blackness, but he used right. some of his writing as like a way of saying that the, the fact that a lot of the mass spree shooters who are majority white males, he basically uses his argument to say like their whiteness had nothing to do with them being mass spree killers, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard. Because if you look at American history, the nation state of America was essentially founded by a bunch of like white mass murderers. So I I don't really. Yeah, but this is on a leftist podcast like a you bring you're defending you're saying that whiteness you're essentially trying to do whatever you can to maneuver around having to directly critique this artificial invented thing called whiteness i i just found it to be jarring like i that's the shit that really just fucks me up it's an issue and so i'm at the point where you know and the elders told us like they said the white left won't shit back in the 60s you know so they've had plenty of time to correct that shit and and not bring (laughs) it into like two more generations after that and, and birth new generations of people who ain't shit you know, still claiming that they're about the movement. There are too many examples of anti-racist, anti-fascist white people who was about that life. You know, the Marilyn Bucks and David Gilberts of the world and the Susan Rosenbergs and the Laura Whitehorns, who I've actually got to meet. That was one of those days where I had to act all cool. Because I don't usually get excited about meeting folks, you know, but actually when I met Laura Whitehorn and Susan Rosenberg from the Weather Underground, I was like, oh shit. You know, like, I don't often see white people who like, 
really went so hard that they had to do years and years and years. And it wasn't just for white revolution. Like a lot of that shit they were doing in conjunction with the Black Liberation Army, Republican New Africa, the Black Panther Party. Like that was some real accomplished shit. Like everybody mm-hmm. wants to just talk about John Brown. Like it was hella people in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that was fucking about that same John Brown life and put yeah. and, and really put it all on the line and gave us. And a lot of them were bougie kids who were like, fuck that shit. They were mm-hmm. using their money. Their, they were using their blondness, their blue hair, you know, their blue eyedness and all of that shit. And they turned their back on that and they really, really committed class suicide. And it's like, there is an example. Right. So there's no reason for white leftists to be on that bullshit as if they don't have examples. I mean, it's just like, have y'all not read, you know, Noel Ignative? You know what I mean? He was like, yo, like, we need to be race traders. Like, straight up. The mm-hmm. realest shit. I'm just like, yeah. God, they want some totally different shit. Yeah. Nowadays, you got people screeching into their fucking microphones on a podcast about how bad identity politics is and anti-wokeness. It's just like, bro, y'all just racist, man. Y'all are just racist, oh, bro. <laughs> well, try being snake freedom writers, getting snatched off your shit and beat with your whole fucking face beat in, yeah, you know, yeah. because you're a race trader. Because race traders were just like niggers back then. They were often put nigger lover on their cars. Like, it was like, so, you know, like, if, if you really were about it, like, you're not even dealing with that type of shit. You're, nobody's fucking you up, you know, other than at these protests. You know, but black people, we have to deal with this shit every single day. We don't have to go to a protest to clash with white supremacy. This is an everyday fucking thing for us. And there are things that you could be doing, white leftists, and you don't even attempt to do it. You don't organize amongst yourselves either. So don't say we're organizing amongst ourselves to do nothing, to do absolutely nothing. Right. When's the last time you motherfuckers dropped some coin to a pro papers? You know, <laughs> they they organize into funnel money into DSA on like you know Bernie Sanders' behalf, some stupid shit. That whole thing just fucking off. It's just fucking stupid. Like, what are y'all doing? Y'all do yeah. nothing. You do nothing, bro. It's weird, man. It's like you know, again, like you say, everybody's got a podcast though. Everybody's got a YouTube though. Everybody's got an article. Everybody's got a book. Check me out on this yeah. anti-fascist book club and I'll be reading my new book. Like everything is like intellectual and book tours and it's very little revolutionary action, if you will. Revolutionary honesty. Yes. Oh be, my God. And radical grasping from the roots. Like nobody's grasping anything from the roots. It's not radical. Like it's the same old polished bullshit. And they just throw some anti-capitalist terms in there and it makes it all right. But it's not all right. It's not all right. And yeah. Yeah. Anarchism, socialism, so white. (laughs) (laughs) It is. New hashtag. It's so white. How do you? New hashtag. It is. (laughs) How? And then you got on the opposite spectrum, you got black anarchists and you have black socialists trying to find our identities because that's not a one general thing either. You got reactionaries, you got Mm -hmm. quote unquote hoteps and ashy onks and (laughs) I'm with with that. Patriarchal, (laughs) you know, the patriarchy and, and the pick me sisters, shaming, shaming sex Mm -hmm. workers and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got a lot of things you know, people might say that they're socialist. They might say they're pan-Africanist. They might say that they're, you know, anarchists. And people have a lot of cultural things. It's still, at the end of the day, a cultural reset for Black people, for white people, for indigenous people. Right. Because yeah. we've been in this empire all this time, and that shit is rubbing off on us. Mm-hmm. We have to constantly, constructively criticize our fucking selves. Nobody is above, you know, 
checking out. You know, I'm always looking in the mirror like, bitch, you want some shit. Now, what made you think that you... <laughs> and then I'm looking back at myself with my blood like, yeah, you're right. That was some fuck shit. <laughs> Let me go apologize. I don't know what the fuck I was on. Like, this is the shit we, we should be doing. I need every everybody to check their own shit. That's real, mm -hmm. you know, and the ability to manage one's own emotions mm -hmm. and to sort through the thoughts, as you're saying, you know, like that, mm -hmm. that those are skills we need that we are woefully, yes. you know, we're not able to deal with ourselves. So let alone join the damn revolution. So some of this stuff is going to have to be. Hey, doctor, it's going to have to be therapy. Okay. <laughs> so let's not forget that aspect when it comes to when we're talking about the community infrastructure and we talk about health. Let's not forget the therapists. Let's not forget the mediators. Let's not forget the even peer counselors, you know, just telling your own, you know, having your own peer circles. All of that stuff is important. We're talking about having a cultural reset. Like we're going to have to have some heart to heart conversations and some of that shit is going to be heavy. It's going to be like intervention. Y'all ever see intervention and shit when they got to sit people down and they're not ready to hear that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, Marxist, Marxist, Leninist, I need to talk to you. <laughs> no, don't leave. Don't leave. Lock the door. Lock the door. I no, sit down. <laughs> and then, and then, and then a narco communist in the corner laughing. We're like, you're next. You're next. So don't even get comfortable. You finna get like, it that's too. what we need. Like, you finna get it, you know, like I say mm -hmm. stuff in, 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 you know, like I joke about it because people can take it a little easier, but, and it also makes it look silly. Like, well, why aren't we doing that? Like, this is funny, mm -hmm. but why don't we just do that? Like I try to make fun and laugh and joke about shit sometimes when I'm not ready to fuck some shit up because it's, it's, some of this stuff is just laughable. It's silly. And we, and again, we always say we get in our own ways of progress. Not progressive. I didn't say progressive, but <laughs> progress. Mm -hmm. And we need to do some serious soul searching and analyzing of, of shit that's not working and deal with it. What, where is the dialectic? Everybody's saying dialectical materialism, but where is it actually? Mm -hmm. Where's it at? <laughs> and for that matter, and I wanted to throw this out there one last time to ask before, because I know we're getting kind of long on the, the pod so far. But for me, I have an analysis of all of this shit with regards to that. Materialism is like, capitalism is kind of designed to extract all the fucking joy from everyone as well as you know all the resources from the earth and like mm -hmm. what do you think about militant joy and it's like application to you know building on the left like we have to find joy in this shit right word. how do we word. do that for me i think it's we got to make sure that it doesn't become like there's this thing now, oh, I can't remember the term, like Twitter keep me up to speed, I swear. Something about a, like a luxury movement. Have y'all heard of that? What the fuck? No. No. Oh no, God. So no, it's, oh God, y'all, it's awful. All right, brace yourselves. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm getting it right from what the Twitterverse said, it's basically like black and brown people who feel like we should have luxury above all else. And, you know, we don't believe in this and suffering and poverty. And it's almost like some prosperity, religious type shit, but just like for turning up and having nice things and allowing you to forget that capitalism and exploitation is the reason that, you know, that you have it. And also that a lot of black people can't have these things. Right. So we mm. want to make sure our joy isn't set on some gross ass shit like that. Like you said, like, 
look at me, I'm over here in Fiji, cough, cough, cough. Look at me, you know, like we don't want, we don't want our joy to look like some, some settler bullshit, right? right. But joy that feeds and nourishes, like there is no African revolution without dance, right? Without mm. song, right? Like that, that is who we are as, you know, African, you know, Afro-Indigenous people. And so it's connected directly to our indigeneity. It's, it's directly in our soul. We can't, we couldn't separate it if we want. We laugh, we joke, we like food, right? That mm-hmm. is who we are as indigenous people. So that has to be, if we're talking about decolonizing, we've got to bring some joy back into it. One of the things that impressed me when I was a youth, when I would look at the South African protests, is that da- that actually turned me out. Like the dancing, you know, they might have the spears in their hands or they might be, you know, and they'd be imitating the sound of the AK. They were like, ka, 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 ka. it used to blow my mind. Like I was ready to get on the plane, go to South Africa and throw down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, this is amazing. I got that same feeling when I saw Dead Press. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're doing martial arts to the beat. What the fuck is this? Look at his dress swinging. <laughs> you know, like the joy is so important. It's why I do hip hop. You know, mm-hmm. it's why some people won't even listen to what the fuck I'm saying until they like find out that I, oh, oh, this music is good. Let me listen to her. Like literally, <laughs> you know? She made me happy with this song. I'll listen to what you have to say now. Like, it even changes people's whole attitude, you know, when you got a little joy going with it and how you deliver something. So it's important for us to recuperate and heal, too. We're not fucking robots. We got to heal, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to have it. Like, it's it's important. I, it's a lot of killjoy sometimes in the left. That's another reason that lumping and so on and so forth don't want to fucking be down with it because it looks like it's no fun like it's just robotic and so you got to turn up and make that shit interesting like i hate that shit too and that's not how i live humorless ass niggas i cannot stand (laughs) killjoy ass niggas no fun ass niggas i like joking and roasting (laughs) bro it's like well what do you mean when you like bro like just take your face out of the, the the textbook for a minute bro and just like just laugh bro crack a joke have some fun. So militant they can't laugh, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah, realizing they're just feeding into the system, you know, fucking killing joy. And it's like, that's what the system wants. They don't want us to have no fucking fun. That's why it's, it always amazed me. I was like, damn, man, black people still had babies in the middle of this fucked up yeah. shit. Yep, we sure the fuck did. We had babies. We had joy. I would imagine the Maroons were doing it. Mm-hmm. Up in the mountains, out in the swamps. Like, I all, that's what I say. I always bring it back to the Maroons. Like, it's like, damn, what would the Maroons do? Clearly, the Maroons were fucking. Well, that's one. Because <laughs> <laughs> we here, ain't we? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know it was a little spirits going around. We probably, somebody probably had some secret herbs to chew on. You know, like, everybody you know knows. Like, we, we enjoy ourselves. <laughs> We've got to be able to do those things. And I know we had musical instruments. We even use them mm-hmm. sometimes to escape the, the djembe, the drum, you know, different sounds that we would make when we were singing in the field. If we sing that song, that means meet me by the river at four o'clock. We getting the fuck up out of here. So, you know, we always had music, rhythm, food. Like, that's why I just ate some greens and yams the other day. I need my joy. <laughs> give, me some, give me some greens. Yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> had me some chicken waffles this morning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Damn right. No, joy yeah. is important. Not that bougie joy. Check check your joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that bougie shit. You know, it doesn't even have to be based on anything that's based in money. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of the things I think we all missed because of the pandemic was the ability to just walk outside with no fucking mask on our face and just breathe a, a cool breeze blowing our face, you know? 
go mm-hmm. chill and, and do this and do that. And now it's like, ugh, I don't want to be around too many people. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if I did take it off for a second, let me put this shit back on. Cause yeah. you know, like it's, it's changed even how we can experience our joy. So I think now even more is important because shit is weird right now. You know, I'm super weird. It's really weird. Well, the the so I, keep I know that we're in a pandemic. Oh yeah. <laughs> so maybe because we are running a little bit long, but I I just wanted to ask like maybe just like one last question and then we can we can go ahead and, and no worries. And, and uh, I'm smoking my ganja. <laughs> nothing but time. Nothing but time. Nothing. So, I got nothing but time and munchies. <laughs> So, you know, in, in, in your opinion, like, what does it look like for us to be like, for us, like Pan-African, like revolutionaries to like simultaneously, like fully embrace our nationhood and nationhood and be nationalists in that sort of way, while at the same time being like committed internationalists and intercommunalists and like, what exactly is the difference between our sort of BIPOC, like, nationhood and nationalism versus like traditional nationalism like the you know like the toxic like white people shit like what do you like because I, I mean you, that's it yeah. right there <laughs> yeah oh you yeah know, okay they're not reactionaries is <laughs> yeah there's revolutionary nationalism and this is a big thing this is the thing if it gets any hate it'll be this part because i'm not gonna agree with a lot of people when it comes to I think it's hypocritical that people say, I'm glad we're closing with this too. I think it's hypocritical when people say they believe in self-determination and autonomy, then critique people's wanting a nation, wanting, you know, wanting a nation state for that matter. Case in point, when you say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, right? That's land. That is a nation. They are nationalists. And just about every single pan-African resistance movement that we saw that was what? Anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-colonialist, and internationalist. They also wanted a nation. Now, having a nation doesn't mean that no ethnicities are allowed. Having a nation doesn't mean now you have to have genocide. Having a nation, a nation is literally a gathering of people and you can make it look like however you want. You can make it be horizontally ran. You can make it be hierarchically ran. That is always going to be the choice of the people, though. It it cannot be some outside force. It definitely is for black, brown, indigenous people to work that part out and not for the settler to have any fucking opinion about it. It's a conversation I want to have with black, brown, indigenous people. I do not want any settler having any say so in that unless you're talking about what you can do to assist in making it happen. Pan-Africanism, you know is not at odds with internationalism. Everything that I, unless you're talking about Umar, Umar Johnson and some of this new neo-pan-Africanism that has nothing to do with scientific socialism, that has nothing to do with, you know, anything but sort of a cultural, what they used to call pork chop type of nationalism, just reactionary and knee-jerk and often patriarchal and homophobic. And we're going to have to understand that that's reactionary and there's revolutionary and revolutionary nationalists are internationalists and some are intercommunalists. And there's even people like Kwesi Balagoon where you can't even say what the hell. I feel like him. I'm a socialist. I'm all over the place, right? I'm open to many different things, but he was a part of the Republic of New Africa as an anarchist though. He wasn't into the hierarchical aspect of us being able to achieve independence and land but was open to what that would look like as an interpretation while simultaneously being a freedom fighter for all oppressed people. 
who are fighting imperialism. There's no way that we can do this. Either if internationalists, intercommunalists, however, you know, whichever. But it cannot be done with just this nation state mentality of just my nation, you know, type of Americana type of nationalism where, you know, everybody else is under them. I hate when they always say we're the greatest nation in the world. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. There's nothing great about this genocide. You know, that's what we should not be looking like. That's what we're a nation in and of the fact that for 400 years we have built up an actual community, a nation of people with similar backgrounds and languages. And it's a cultural, you know, connectivity that we have that goes all the way back to the space of our indigeneity in Africa. We are a nation. It doesn't mean that you have to be a Nazi, a a fascist, you know. This is a part of the imagining that we have, the Afrofuturistic look that we look What do we want our reality to be? I keep saying, I think what we are going to do is create something that has never been done. I think that because things have tried, man, it didn't work so well. Some things were militarily attacked. We talked about that. But there are some things that we are imagining now about what our future is going to look like that has never been done. And so that's where I am with it. Of course, I'm for if people want their nation, have your nation. If you want your autonomous liberated zone and your confederations and your commons, I'm all for that too. I'm not for anyone oppressing anyone and forcing anything on anybody. And I think that's what autonomy and self-determination is all about. And we are in one fight. Huey got that right. We're in one fight against one thing and it would be best that we all work together. As opposed to trying to put out these fires all individually, it's not going to work. And we've always done our best liberation work when we worked on an international aspect. So that's all I can tell you. I keep my mind open. I'm not looking to be an oppressor. I'm not looking to help oppression. But I know people Mm -hmm. have different routes that they want to take in their own path. And I respect that. That's something I think about in terms of like when I'm imagining like what a nation for us would look like and what nation building would actually look like. I imagine a sort of like black Machnovania, right? Or or a black revolutionary Catalonia or like a black mm, that'd be lit. Shinmen, <laughs> I think it's called the Shinmen Prefecture from the Korean anarchists. Like I imagine that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And how incredible that looks. But at the same like while having that, but simultaneously being connected to other societies similar to that, but like globally. And that, that's just something I think about is just, I just been reflecting on what Huey P, Huey talked about in his intercommunalism speech about the phase of going into communism or what communism would look like would be this transformation in our humanity. Like mm-hmm. we would really come to truly know ourselves and know our desires and, and who we are because we're not living under all the, the domination, all the hierarchy, all the stratifications and we we're not uh, who we really are there's no interference there there's no intervention there and that's something because I, everything yeah. that we do has been interfered with everything yes. I, I often say that they interfered our course of history and so we're mm-hmm. literally we're literally sitting here with a paper and a pen it hasn't been done yet y'all like every day if, if it feels frustrating you just think about it well it hasn't been done so we haven't failed right We're trying to get to a space from being oppressed to liberating ourselves. Like Jalil Mutakim said, we are our own liberators. And that's a fantastic book. I love that fucking book. But yeah, like we we haven't failed. We haven't even gotten there yet. Our ancestors played around a bit. The Maroons were the first ones. They were the visionaries. They was like, look, y'all, 
this is what it can look like. And it can last for hundreds of years. It can last for a couple of weeks. It can last for, it could be whatever we put into it, right? So we're the new maroons, right? We're all the new maroons. First, we got to escape though, y'all. Mm -hmm. And we got to grab the hands of the ones that we're going to take, right? It's a process. They had to trust the shit out of them people. Because we don't know, they could have ran back and told. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we make sure we grab the right hands right now because the first thing we got to do is escape. Mm. And then build that future that we want. Like, we, I, I mean, as frustrated as I get with this time, I don't know why. I stay hopeful, though. I don't know why. <laughs> but I do. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the thought of actual independence and freedom and being able to do what we want, how we want to do it in a way that is not destroying this and ripping apart this earth. Yeah. I get excited about that. I really do. I, I don't see sure, what other like you have is. to remain hopeful. Yeah. There's no other. Like, if you don't, don't have hope and optimism in this work. Like, yeah, like, I don't get the pessimists who are somehow working towards liberation. It's just, what are you working towards? If you don't believe in something, yeah, you got to believe in something. I cannot stand. I cannot stand that shit. Just people. Just I'm just pessimistic. I'm just down about our. Then why are you fighting? Where are you getting your energy from? Where are you getting your drive from? Where's your fire? Where's the fire in your gut coming from? You just fighting because what you bored? Like I don't understand. Take a break. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually. That's called burnout, though, y'all. And I know what that looks like. But because I know what it looks like, I take myself away from the equation because it's not fair to just be like. Oh, y'all niggas gonna try that. That shit ain't gonna work. No, that's fucked up. Like, that's that's fucked up, bro. Like, over here and sit down with that bullshit. Like, you know? And I know y'all know people like that's like, damn, oh, nigga, yeah. you don't like nothing. Then, then you come up with something. <laughs> negative ass nigga, you know bro. What I'm negative Ned and negative Nelly. Like, sit your ass down. So, you know, um, they're burnt out and they need to, like, like we talk about their joy, they need to recuperate. And come back to the table when you are not such a down, down, downer. Because the, the society is a downer enough. We don't mm-hmm. need people in the camp being a fucking downer. Like that's not going to work at all, <laughs> you know. So keep that shit to yourself. Like because this is a real struggle. Real talk. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna hate on this episode. What could they hate? What did we say that would make somebody hate on this episode? What have we said? <laughs> I mean, well, that's we're controversial. Just, Seriously, we're, just, we're well, we're black. I mean, there's. True. I mean, we're black, and then so we, you don't need we, to do nothing else. That's really about it. Like, what, these, these are black leftists not riding the party line. What? No, we can't. You know, well, probably just, because we said independent states and stuff like that. That probably scared them too. And, and then, of well, course, even if we said autonomous zones, yeah, they'd be scared of that too. Yeah. Well, you know, hey. I'm not here to entertain motherfuckers. I'm here to drop gems, give that political education, mm-hmm. you know, bring people's attention to, again, the, the above ground, underground, behind the bars formations that we should be creating. Like with Zay Shakur and the brother Shaka Shakur, they founded the New African Liberation Collective. And this is honestly the first formation that I've been in that has comrades behind the bars who are really taking active part in role playing and exchanging mm. of the information. And it feels great. And I feel like a sucker for not being in more formations like that in the past. Like, you know, we can't just wait to just write a letter to somebody. Let's let's keep up actual relationships because they have thoughts about what's going on, too. 
mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And really good suggestions and be organizing their asses off behind the fucking bars. Yeah, they're, they're so, truly in the belly of the fucking beast. So. Hell yeah. So let's not forget about that when we're talking about all these things that we're building. We should be building stuff to make sure that our comrades, when they get out, they, they got something to come to. So I think about that, too, as we're, you know, envisioning the future is, is being able to get them out, break them out, free them out. I don't care how the fuck we get them out, get them all out, free them, them all, the out. Right. free them all. And, and then we have those therapists because we're going to need them because we mm-hmm. want to be realists. You know, we need therapy. You don't just come out of prison and institutionalization and don't need therapy. Like, like that's the problem now. Shit, just, you, don't, just, you don't come out of the hood and I need some kind of therapy. So. Shit, I'm still in therapy because of the right. hood. You know what I'm saying? So um, we be realistic about what we need in, in the process of where we're going. I think we'll be fine. I think y'all will be fine. We're going to have to build and connect on some shit. Because I think, you know, I think we, I think we see a light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hell yes. Hell yeah, yes. It's way yes. past time we made yeah, these networks way, happen. Because yeah. yeah. we don't have a lot of time left. From the planetary scale to the way that the fucking state is ramping up, like we got to get on our shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they wild. They wilding Thank down you here. For Texas, so, you know, I'm sending out the SOS. Like, please, <laughs> somebody help. <laughs> like, we need, we need, we need for a band real, They, they bugging down here. But this shit was lit. This is great. This is this yeah, is wonderful. That's what's up. I'm glad we finally did it. Yes, I. This is just awesome. Thank you so much for 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 coming on and blessing us with with your perspective, with your experience, with your knowledge. We are definitely going to. We got to keep linking up because this is just this was this was incredible. Thank you so much. Do you have any like any last words you want to leave people with, or anything else you want to say, or, or or shout out, or or anything like that? Keep doing mutual aid. Don't stop. Don't stop studying. Don't forget about the uh, prisoners behind bars. Check out the artists and so on and so forth in your communities around you. They have a lot to say too. They have a lot of input, and they're just some of them are just waiting to be the next Emory Douglas or so forth to be you know activated. Melanie Cervantes, you know, to be put and utilized for the movement. I think I'm just proud of everybody who's been pushing and struggling. You know. Just don't give up. I know it's difficult and that we have 24-7 surveillance and whole entire entertainment networks telling us not to do this. Thank God our ancestors are, are stronger than that, though, right? So, yeah. You can catch me on Maroncast anytime. Check out the episodes. It's on all of the major podcast networks. It's also on Channel Zero Podcast Network. It's on SoundCloud, Apple, blah, blah, blah. We've got a new EP coming out. When I post it, it will be on simile.bandcamp.com. Right now, you can still check out Trap Liberation Army up there. But from an outlaw to a maroon, that's going to be tight. And I, I hope it's got some new anthems up there in case shit get hot this summer like it did last summer. So just mm-hmm. everybody look out for that. Absolutely. Free to land. <laughs> yay, yay, hell yeah. yeah. That's what's up, Simma. Awesome. Appreciate talking to you today. Thank you so much. Appreciate y'all. Absolutely. Yes. Peace, yes. Peace. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, all right, everybody. Well, this has been another episode of A Thousand Cuts. I'm your host, Demetrius, here with my comrades Chanel, Ashley, and Glenn. And thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for supporting. Y'all know where to find us. Appreciate all the love. We will talk to y'all next time. Peace, solidarity, take care. Stop you in the parking lot with these bars I got. Popular juggernauts with flames till your dog is hot. 
Naughty off a cock and often when we walk about them freaking crackers, trackers try to snatch us for the auction block. Maroon use it, the goons use it, and when that beat drop, I do lose it. Three times dope, I'm two Rubik's Cube. I'm so rude. Gentrifiers coming in your neighborhood to catch your attitudes. Feel like 1992, but it's 2016. Get you with plenty 16s. I just came front of these teens. When I was younger, old oh, as they tried to run on my dreams. Some reach out with S's, some with blunts and with knees. I couldn't understand the contradictions come from these things. Some toes go blind for the nose, some noses rock gold rings. OGs got nose fleas, wiped it up with they sleeves. Couldn't have nothing in the park, yo, 50 was the thieves. Quickly escaping in the Jeep, deep resembling zoos. Cause them young bulls, what llamas hop like Zaba Mafu. Basement be the bangers boo. I can teach a thing or two in the thatch. Try it like a frat boy in a pumpkin patch. One for the revolution, two for the flow. If the break boys are dancing, you should probably go. If the MCs and DJs be rocking to foe, and the craft writers getting up, you already know. And yo, one for the revolution, two for the flow. If you see 12 coming, you should run, run, show. Matter of fact, one fast, bro, don't run, run slow. They wanna get you in the case since you already know.